0: Hey, guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. Today, we have on another special guest. His name is Jeff A.D. Martin. He is a speaker, author and coach who focuses on self-worth, diversity, equity and inclusion and leadership. Thank you for coming to the show, Jeff.
1: Kamani, I'm so grateful for you to have me on your podcast, the great information that you're always sharing in every single episode. I'm just so delighted that I get a chance to be here to share my information as well. So thank you and shout out to all the listeners. Thank you so much.
0: Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. And so for the listeners who aren't familiar with your work, could you tell them a little bit about your background and what you do?
1: Yeah, man. I was born and raised in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, And everything I do is always about helping people to step into their greatness, to find the best version of themselves so we can live it, you know, the entire time while we are here. And so I am a speaker who's been blessed with the opportunity to speak all around um, in so many different areas uh, around Canada and the U.S. as well. I'm an author who's written some books as well, again, also trying to help people. I am also a mentor and a coach, again, just really trying to help people to step to their greatness. And so everything I do is really just trying to help others to become the best version of who they can be.
0: Hey, I respect that. And the next question that kind of pops into my head is, what was that sparked you to make a move into, into those fields to help people to become the best version of themselves?
1: Yeah, you know, there's been a number of different things that really pushed me into this area. But the number one thing I would say is, you know, many years ago um, when I was growing up, I grew up in a really tough neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood that was surrounded by guns and violence and drugs and prostitution and things like that. And I remember back then we would always see the police and it always felt like every time we saw the police, we were being harassed. Right. Young black men being harassed. And I remember thinking to myself, Imagine if somebody had the opportunity to have that position, but to use it to make a difference in the community. And so that's something that always stuck with me. And as I got older and tried to figure out what my plan was in life, eventually I decided I wanted to be that individual. And so I pushed into that area and I actually became a police officer. Now, the same year I became a police officer, I was super excited about that because, again, growing up in a tough neighborhood, I wanted to make an impact with the younger generation who was there. But in the same time frame that I became a police officer, I had lost a cousin to gun violence, he was shot and killed. And because I grew up in that tough neighborhood, there's a lot of things you learn in your environment, and one of those things I had learned was revenge. And so I wanted to go out there and to seek revenge, to find the people who ended up killing my cousin, who murdered my cousin. And it was a battle that I had, because here I was as a brand new police officer who promised to protect and serve. But then the other side of me wanted to go out there and to handle my business. And so it was through a conversation that I had with someone that I gotta tell you that really shifted my thinking, it changed my life. They were able to show me that as human beings, we always put out a level of energy, everyone does. And it's up to us how we put that energy out there. And so I could go out there and commit this crime. I can go out there and seek revenge and end up in jail and just be another statistic. Or I could use that energy to do good in this world. And so as tough as it was to to battle through the lessons, the habits that I always had of, of seeking revenge, I decided to use that same energy, the high level of energy, although it was negative at that time to shift it into something positive to make a change. And so since that time I have gone into so many schools, organizations and really just spoke words of love, we spoke words of when it's in schools trying to find, trying to help our young people to step through their difficulty with it when it comes to corporations, really trying to help Uh, people in the corporate world to understand, again, the the, the best areas of who they are and to excel in those areas and really just help people to become the best version of themselves. And that's what really put me on this path, losing my cousin. Of course, you know, if, if I could bring him back, of course I would, but we know that life doesn't work that way. But what I can do in the circumstance that I'm in is rather than using that negativity and going out there and doing something I really shouldn't do, I use that same power to use that same energy to make a difference in this world. And all of us, Kamal, can do the exact same thing regardless of what we're going through, no matter how difficult that circumstance might be, we all can find a way to use that negative energy and to turn it into something positive and to go out there and be an advocate for that thing that you were a victim of. And I think we all can do the same thing. And that's what really has me on the path that I'm on today.
0: You know, it's really interesting to me how that one change of perspective from that defining moment in your life changed the whole trajectory of your life. And the thing about it that's also pretty interesting is that that one choice or I guess that I guess that lack of action that you took in that one moment deciding not to take revenge was the only thing that would have set you apart from the people who you were policing. And I think we kind of talked about this in the conversation we had leading up to this, but a lot of people don't realize that there really isn't too much of a difference between the people, most of the people that they demonize in themselves, because usually it's just one decision made in a time like that. When you're under duress, under stress, you're unhappy, that leads to those people being in prison. And so a lot of them really aren't too much different other than that one decision that they made. Of course, you know, it it still does take something to make that decision, but it's just something that's kind of interesting to think about. And it's amazing to see how you were able to, I guess, take that experience and funnel into some type of positivity and find a way to use it to create impact in your community as opposed to doing what's negative. And it all really just came down to a choice at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Excuse me. You know, we all have the opportunity to make a choice. You have somebody who has grown up in, uh, or let's say you have, um, you know, two brothers, you have brothers, and they've grown up in a circumstance where dad hits mom, where dad is an alcoholic, and those same two brothers will grow up, and one will turn out to be exactly like dad, and the other one will turn out to be the exact opposite. We We can grow up in very similar circumstances, but the decisions that we make will lead us down the path that we believe we need to go down. And so you're absolutely right. I don't think there's anybody on the face of this earth who's one or two decisions away from perhaps being in jail or perhaps being um, uh, you know, in a very difficult circumstance that's different than what they're in today. But because we decided to make a decision, and even if you are from some of these tough neighborhoods, and again, just like me, you learned a lot of tough lessons, you've seen a lot of things that you probably should never have seen as a child, you still have the ability to choose. And that's what I love to show people that at the end of the day, regardless of what's going on in your life, you are the one that's in control of your life. Nobody's coming to save you. No one's going to hand you a million dollars. No one's going to give you that dream job. No one's going to give you that beautiful car that you want. If you want these things in life, you are the one that has to go after it to chase it with every fiber in your being, regardless of what your background looks like, regardless of the circumstances that you've come from. And you are able to use those difficult circumstances to now stand on a different platform that you could never stand on before. Because I've lost my cousin Omar through gun violence, I know the pain, I know what that feels like, and I could talk from that now. I could speak from that platform so I can now speak to certain audiences that maybe felt like other people could not relate to them. And regardless of what it is you're going through, whether you have come through physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, you know, broken relationships, whatever it might be, you now have a platform that you can speak from that others maybe can't speak from the, the same way you can. And so now you have the ability to help others to become better because now you have information that they need to push themselves forward as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure that due to your specific experience, it probably resonates with a lot of people who can relate. And the thing about it is that the times where I've heard messages from people that could directly relate to me, it just resonated more. And so I can definitely see how from them seeing you in a similar situation as them growing up and then having something like that happen, which is something that a lot of people that might resort to violence can relate to and seeing how you were able to take that and I guess it into something else more positive. That's proof essentially that yeah. uh, it's possible. And that definitely makes it to where I'm sure that your message is a lot more impactful for a lot of those people. And then another thing that kind of popped into my mind about that too, is that when you have events like that, that happen in your life, those like extremely bad defining moments in your life. One thing that I've noticed is that in a way it can kind of serve as motivation. And, you know, I don't think that it's healthy for it to be like your primary motivation. I think, you know, just having like a positive overall uh, purpose is the best motivation to have but i will say that like in those moments where i might not have felt like uh doing the work at some point in time or you know i might have been slacking having some of those negative things in the back of your mind to kind of think about too were definitely some of those things are able to kind of push me over the edge and so i I don't know if you can relate to that or or if you would, would agree but
1: absolutely kamani you know if you're driving a car that's standard there's different gears, right? And if you want to move quicker down the road, you have to shift into different gears. Human beings are born with so many different emotions. And so there's sometimes that you're gonna be sad, sometimes you're gonna be happy, sometimes you're gonna be really upset. And I think we were born with these emotions for a reason. So I think it's important that we tap into these emotions. So yes, there's going to be times in your life where that hater is telling you, you can't achieve that thing. And your primary goal with whatever it is you're doing, you're like, I have to prove that person wrong. And so now you're in a certain gear of anger because I like, I got to prove that person wrong no matter what. But at certain points in your life, you're going to shift gears and you're going to shift gears to the point of, because I'm able to achieve that certain thing. Now I'm able to make change in the lives of other people. And now your gear is shifted. It's no longer about, you know, proving that person wrong. It's about helping others. And then other times it's about helping yourself. So sometimes you're going to feed off of that anger. Sometimes you're going to feed off that jealousy. You're going to feed off, like we as human beings, we are given these emotions for a reason. So use them to your ability to push off of. And yes, I don't think it's healthy to live in that place of anger, like for, the, you know, 20 years that like I'm trying to prove that person wrong. At some point in time, I think you have to look at who the people are that you're helping. Like, I got to tell you, Kamani, when I first started my journey, I was like, my goal is to go out there and to really show these young people that they can choose a different life. They don't have to be like these guys who took out my cousin Omar. And so that was my, 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 that was my driving factor um, for many years. But then when I really started to have conversation with these students um, that I was working with, and hearing their stories. It now came about empathy. It came about understanding that through my words, I'm able to really make a change in the lives of others. Like I gotta tell you, I've had a few stories of people coming up to me. There's one time I was speaking at a school and there was a a number of uh, students that were in the eighth grade. And I was was speaking to them at the end of my my presentation. It's gotta be maybe 12 to 15 young girls who all came up to me and they hugged me, like a big circle of them hugged me. And they just wouldn't let go. And I was like, okay, this is getting a little awkward now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And eventually the teacher's like, okay, guys, come come on, go back to class, go back to class. And as they all left, that same teacher turned to me and he said, Jeff, you have to understand, not one of those young women have a father at home. So when that moment of me speaking, in that moment of me giving them the information that I was there to give them, I resonated something in them that was a father figure, like that they could never Um, that they never saw before and this teacher also said to me some of these girls are probably some of the baddest girls you would ever meet but the way they came to you and hugged you like that's something i've never seen before and so that now becomes a driving factor how many lives can i change right i had another circumstance where another young girl came to me and she said jeff i've been listening to everything you're saying about loving who you are about accepting the things that you've been through and using that as fuel and she said jeff based on what you've said i've decided and she stopped and she pulled her sleeve down i could see all the self-inflicted wounds on her arms and she said jeff because of you i'm going to stop self-harming that now becomes a factor that now becomes a driver for me to say look at the difference i can make in people's lives so of course there's times that people didn't believe in my dream i'm like yo my factor my, my driving factor right now is to prove them wrong but then it shifts to other times to be empathy to help others We were born with so many different emotions. I think it's important that we tap into them, whatever we might need to do to use that to push us, to excel us, so we can become the best version of who we're supposed to be.
0: Wow, that's powerful. You know, just hearing those stories about how uh, the people treated you whenever you came and spoke to them for, I'm assuming, maybe an hour max, it really just goes to show you how some of those young kids might have been yearning for that that type of attention.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so it's just amazing to hear that uh, it was... I guess it resonated with them that much, what your message was. And so I, I can, I'm sure that, that it makes you probably feel a certain type of way too. It probably is one of those things that gives you a lot of motivation to keep doing what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you recognize that the work you are doing is needed and necessary. The truth is, Kamani, that we don't know what someone else is going through. We are driving down the street and the guy beside you could have just lost his wife the person across the street could have just lost their grandmother to COVID. Like there's so many things that's going on in this world. You don't know what someone else is going through. And I think it's so important that when we are in this world, when we are out and about, when we are in the malls and churches and whatever, wherever we are, we always lead with a, a thought process of empathy. Because again, just as, as any other human beings, I've experienced sadness, I've experienced loss, I've experienced hurt, and I know how that feels. And because i know how that feels i can only imagine when someone else is going through it they probably feel very similar to how i felt and i know if i had someone in those certain times in my life where i can cry on their shoulder for a moment i could speak to them i can have those conversations i just need just a little bit of kindness i imagine that they're going to need the same thing in that situation and so because we we just never know what somebody's going through You never know like you can't see somebody's um, you know the the problems are going through on their face, you can't see that, but if we lead with a sense of empathy I really think you can change things. So one of the stories I share is that I used to work for one of the major sport teams out in uh, Toronto right and I used to work as as when I was in college, I used to work as a security guard at the front entrance of that arena. And every single morning when that person, that, that general manager, that famous general manager would walk in, I'd say, good morning, sir. Hope you have a great day. And at the end of the day, when he would leave, I'd say, take care, sir. I hope you have a great night. And he would never answer me. I think maybe because I was a security guard and on his level of importance, I probably fell fairly low. He would never respond to me. But during that same time in my life, there was a time that I was going through something and I was walking down the street. And as as I was walking down the street, there was a man that was lying on the ground, a homeless man. And he said, pardon me, sir. And I thought to myself, this guy's going to ask me for money. He's going to ask for something. I don't even want to hear it right now. I'm dealing with my business, my own stuff. And he was like, pardon me, sir, by the look on your face, it looks like you are probably going through something. And if you just have a moment, I would love to pray with you. He was a man who probably could have used my service but he was willing to serve me. And so I share that because again, it's so important for us to recognize that you can never, you never know what somebody is going through. You never know the problems that they're facing. And so based on that, I think it's so important that we lead with a sense of empathy. I'm talking about, you know, when you're at the mall, hold open the door for the person behind you. Like if you say, hello, hey, how you doing? Like sometimes that alone is a game changer for people because you just never know where they are on the depth of the problems that they're facing. Some people you walk by, they could be suicidal and they're still smiling at you. You just never know. And if you just take that moment that, that, that very small moment and say, hey, hope you have a great day. Hey, thank you so much for that coffee. If you go to that drive through thank you so much for that coffee. I appreciate the work you're doing. Those little things that we're able to do as human beings, they really can go a long way. We really have to learn to lead with a sense of empathy, understanding that somebody else very well could be going through the same problems that we've had to deal with in our own lives.
0: You know, it really just sounds like the, the goal is to acknowledge people as fellow human beings because that's what it seems like a lack of empathy is whenever you don't exercise empathy, whenever you're dealing with other people or or even just thinking about them. You're kind it's kind of it's kind of as if you're not really seeing them on the same level as you, not as like you're you're equal. And so you can kind of make that parallel to the same story you just told. And so that's the way that it kind of, um, I guess that spoke to me. And so I can definitely agree with you that there are definitely been times where I might not have had empathy with, with people. And, you know, that's something that I regret because like you said, you never know what somebody's going through. And by exercising that it can just make it to where you have much better energy whenever you go into interactions with people, just when you kind of have that in your mind to, I guess, to keep that in mind in case they have anything going on in your life. And so I definitely appreciate you bringing that up. And something else that kind of popped up in my head while you were talking, I was thinking back back to what you said before about some of the kids that you talk to and the work that you do. And so a question that I had is what were some of the barriers that you ran into when it came to communicating your message to them? What were some of those things that they were hanging on to that stopped them from being able to? I guess, fully take in what you're saying and apply it at first. It could be, you know, identity type of stuff. It could be cultural stuff, Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of like what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, what I think is important is that um, we, we, we are able to find a way to relate to others. And so sometimes, you know, there's going to be people who hear my story or see me and they're like, I don't want to hear a thing that Jeff has to say. But there's other people that will hear me and be like, you know what? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I I can really relate to to what Jeff is speaking about. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, all I can do is go out there and share my story. All I can do is go out there and be the person who I believe I was created to be. And I am there to speak to somebody, you know, whether it be two people or a crowd of 2,000. At the end of the day, my job is to share my story and help others to step through their difficulty. Some people are going to be very receptive to us. Other people, because they're not ready to accept it, they're not gonna hear it. You know, they say that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so what that simply means is when you are ready to accept the circumstance that you're going through and really at that point in time, you want change, that's when you're gonna start looking for that teacher, those teachers in life that are gonna help you to step through those difficulties. I promise you, who I am now is not who I was in my 20s, you know, in my teens, right? And if I came along in my life at that point in time, I wouldn't hear it as well. But there's a certain point in my life where I was like, yo, I need to make a shift in my life. I want to be able to help people to become better. I want to be able to help them find in their finances. There's a lot of areas that I'm able to do, uh, things I'm able to do to help them. But there was a time in my life that I, if someone came along that was like me, I wouldn't hear it. So when it's all said and done, I believe it comes down to that individual. If they're willing to make change in their own life, then they're going to be open. They're going to be receptive to the lessons that are being brought to them.
0: Okay. so the issue was that they just weren't ready for change. They weren't looking for change. They didn't see a need for it in their current situation. And that's why they didn't take in the message.
1: Yeah, I believe so. You know, come on. You know, people, we all know people who are just straight miserable they love drama they love and they're always surrounded by drama whenever you hear their name it's always associated to some type of drama in terms of you know they're cussing somebody out a family member you know you got a cousin who's just always doing something you know we all have those family members or or friends or people we know who do that and they love that misery they love to 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 wallow in it because it's comfortable to them it's comfortable to them that's why you will have Um, you know, a a woman who is physically abused by a man, and then if she is able to get out of it, sometimes she finds herself in a second uh, relationship where the similar circumstances are happening. Because we are accustomed to the things that we know, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, we are accustomed to it and we get used to it. But it comes down to us as human beings saying to ourselves, I need to make a change. Like the shift has to start with me. The breaking of the cycle starts with me like alcoholism is traveled down in families, Uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse is traveled down in families, but until you say I am going to be the one that breaks the cycle. That's when you start looking for help that's when you start wanting change and that's when you can start seeking the people that are able to help you so yes, you know, at the end of the day, we are the ones that have to say I want the help. And then if I appear at your organization, I appear at your school, or you have another great speaker, or just certain lessons in life that come to you at the time, you are going to be more open and receptive to it. But until then, if you love to enjoy just sitting in that murkiness, sitting in that that misery, sitting in that that drama type stuff, then you're never going to have change because you enjoy that area, even though it's bad for you, you enjoy it more than wanting to have change in your life.
0: Okay, and so Specific to the young men that were growing up in the neighborhood that you're talking about that were uh, being that were involved in the violence and also having that perpetrated on them. What would you say? Would you say that like they were so deep into that drama that that was the reason why they also didn't want to change? Or do you think there are also other things that you know might have been contributing to it as well?
1: So when you are brought up in a certain circumstance, regardless of it, what it is, you can be brought up in a situation where you are born with a, a silver spoon or a gold spoon in your mouth and everything's handed to you. Or you can be born in a situation where you have absolutely nothing. You're surrounded by drugs and violence and gangs and everything negative, right? At the end of the day, as difficult as it is, because I'm not saying it's an easy choice, but as difficult as it is, you always get a chance to choose you always get a chance to choose. And it's, it's sometimes it's a difficult, it's always a difficult thing to do because it's easier to go with the flow of what's happening around you. Because oftentimes as human beings, we want to assimilate. We want to, if we are dropped in a new school or a new job, we wanna quickly start doing what everybody else is doing because we wanna be relatable. We don't want to go in there disrupting what's already happening as human beings because we want to be liked. That's one of the things human beings love. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. And if you are in a difficult circumstance, if you are in a a negative neighborhood, uh, for example, and everyone around you is in the mess selling drugs or hanging out on the block, the chances are of, of you doing that is going to be very high. Because again, we want to assimilate to our circumstances. However, again, we always have a choice, we always have a choice, and the choice is going to be difficult for you to say to everybody else, I'm not going to do what you are doing. Yes, you're going to be laughed at, yes, you are going to be mocked, but you get to make that choice. And so we are in a situation now, especially now, the way how social media and the Internet has taken over that we sit back and we want to be able to do the things that other people are doing. Um, that are in our neighborhood, that are in our circle. However, very quickly, you can change your life by watching just a couple of YouTube videos in that area that you want to maybe master in. You can, you, know, go, you can take online courses that are going to change your life. Someone who's living in the hood, someone who doesn't have a whole lot of money, you go online and very quickly, you can learn how to invest. Very quickly, you can learn how to use your money and create other money, have your money work for you. The information is available on the same phone that you're messing around on TikTok on, or you're messing around on, on Snapchat or, or Instagram. The same information is available if you're willing to look for it and find it. So you can go on YouTube and watch cat videos all day, right? Or you can go on YouTube and find information that's going to change your life. Investing one-on-one, investing in the stock market, investing in Bitcoin, doing things to, to start with the little money that you have and have it grow for you this is what we have available to us. But again, we have to be able to say, I'm going to make the choice. The choice is never easy. Because when mom has been negative all your life or dad has been physically abusive, and this is all you know, it's easy for you to walk down that same path that's familiar to you. So it takes a lot for you to say, I'm going to break that cycle. But understand it can be done every time we put ourselves in a box. And we say to ourselves, well, No black guy's ever done this, so I can't do this, or no one from my neighborhood has ever done this. Every time you believe that and you start to make that story true in your mind, there's somebody who's from your block, who is your background, who is your religion, who is whatever it is that's very similar to you, and they're absolutely smashing the same goal that you claim that you cannot do. There's examples of it every single day. You may not see it on TV, you might not see it on YouTube, but they're out there and they're smashing it and they're doing that thing that you claim that you can't do because of that thing that you put in front of you as a hindrance. There's someone out there smashing it because they decided to choose to make a choice. And again, we can all do the same thing.
0: So I guess here's what sticks out to me kind of from what you were saying. And so the reason why I've kind of been harping on like this little little portion of it is because Yeah. There's kind of a, a theory that I have, and it's, I guess you could say it's what my content is based on, but one of the things, or I guess there are two things that I think a lot of these young men that are in these environments suffer from, and it's something that's relatable to really all young men, I think, you know, in their situations, because speaking from personal experience, I didn't grow up around gang violence and everything in a neighborhood I grew up in. It didn't have probably those same bad influences that other people might have had. But one thing I will say is that for me to make changes in my life and for me to finally move on to something better than where I was before, the two things I had to work on were my sense of identity. I had to develop a strong sense yes. of identity and also had to develop a sense of self-worth that wasn't based on the approval of other people. Yes, and so huge. to relate that to the young men that we're talking about, what I think part of that issue is, is that it gets to a point to where. A lot of them might just identify with the struggle. Their identity might be so strongly based on that environment that they're in. And then if they're in a gang, you know, in the approval that they get from being a gang member and that attention, that it's kind of hard to walk away from something like that when you base who you are as a person on these actions and these things that you do and the people that you hang out with and talk to. And that just kind of goes into something I touched on in past episodes about the difference between building your identity on. I guess, external factors and yeah. internal factors like character traits and that sort of thing, because that's something you can carry with you, whether you're a gang member, whether you're a doctor a lawyer, anything else. And then as far as the self-worth thing that kind of ties into it too, I think, because when it's external, when your identity is external, self-worth is based on external uh, stimuli and feedback, as opposed yes. to if it's internal you determine your self-worth based on whether yes. or not you align with those values and morals, whatever it is that you have. And so honestly, I think that that's really one of the biggest issues for young men where, and it could be you know influence from society or anything yes. else, but so many of us base our identity and who we are on what we do. Oh, I'm a football player. So I need to be like this and all that. And if you don't fit into that mold, the pressures that you get from people outside, make it to where you don't feel like you fit the bill. And I think since all those young guys are maybe not all of them, but a lot of them are still kind of hanging on to that in a way they feel like they're hanging on to themselves. And that's the reason why they never do actually do better. That's just my theory for it.
1: Yeah, no. And and I agree with you and and you trying to find yourself and figure out who you are. How difficult was that? It was extremely Uh, difficult, wasn't it? Man, that was... you're still fighting yourself.
0: Yeah, still, still to this day, you know, it's, it's something. That I think it's something you work on for the rest of your life. But when I was initially doing that, that identity work and all that, it was tough because, of course, the things and the habits that I've fallen into for so long, taking active measures to move away from them, and then like the the external pressure that you get from that too, it really, it really puts you to the test. It's not an easy yes. process at all, and so it's, no. it's, I, it's definitely, it makes sense to me why. A lot of people, you know, that might be in bad circumstances don't don't get it done because just doing that. And it's it's almost as if you have to, like, reinvent yourself. You have to sit. I actually had to sit down and write out the type of man that I wanted to be, the type of character traits that I wanted to embody. And I had to make sure that that wasn't flexible, that if any situation I'm in, I had to align with these principles that I'm setting for myself. And it was tough, you know, because socially you get pushback from that different things that you used to do before that don't align with that, you have to change, you pretty much have to make a whole lifestyle shift. And and that's tough in itself.
1: Absolutely, it is 100% difficult. One of the things I often say is, if you want to become a millionaire, then you need to hang out with millionaires. Because the conversation is different. The conversation is always going to be different in that group that you want to be around you know i have a group of friends who i absolutely love but oftentimes the conversation is about basketball how much of lebron score you know what what's going on in the nba or nfl and i love these guys to death but i said to myself some time ago that if i want to elevate my own life that i need to change the circles that i hang around and i still love these guys these guys are my brothers till the day i die however the time that i spend in that group is a lot less than i used to spend and since making that shift I've become a two-time author. Since making that shift, I've spoken in every province around uh, the the country of Canada, again, because I live out in Toronto. Because I've made that shift, I've been able to um, have reviews and interviews, you know, meeting great people like yourselves. I used to do a podcast and it was reviewed out in China, right? That would have never happened if I didn't make that shift. And it was a difficult shift to make because my friends were like, yo, what's wrong with Jeff? Like, you too good now? You can't hang out with us? And, you know, I explained to them that, you know, I wanna make a change in my life. And sometimes the people that you explain that, you are not gonna understand it because they're like, what is wrong with the life you have now? Or they're not gonna get it. But if you believe that there's something out there that is greater for you, if you believe it, then understand that there is something that's greater for you. If you believe it, then understand that there is something greater. And again, making that shift is not going to be easy by any means, because you're going against the grain of the people around you. Sometimes your own mom's going to say to you, what is wrong with you? Why are you trying to do this and that? Your dad's going to say, why are you trying to do this and that? They're going to look at you as a sellout or different things like that. But at the end of the day, the last time I checked, I was born alone. And there's a good chance I'm going to die alone. My life is the thing that was given to me. And so I get to dictate the way it's going to play out. I get to dictate the type of book that it's going to be and how the ending is going to look and for a time in my life when i was hanging out with the same group of guys our stories were very similar but at some point in time i said to myself it is time to make a shift because i want more for my life and so i decided to chase it one of the things i say for anybody who's looking to figure out who am i in life there's three questions that i that i ask myself every single day and I encourage you to ask the same thing of yourself. The first question is, who am I? The second one is, what do I want? The third one is, what is my purpose? So who am I? Not who the world thinks you are. Not who your mom thinks you are. Who are you? You get to define that no matter where you are, if you're in the hood or you're in the Hamptons, you get to define who you are. Secondly, what do I want? Not that what the world wants from me, not what my children want from me or my mom wants from me, my girl, my my boyfriend, what do I want in life? And the third thing is, what is my purpose? Why do you believe that you are here? I don't think any of us are here by accident. I think there's a purpose, honestly, Kamani, for you and I to be meeting and, and having this conversation now. There's a reason why, Kamani, you weren't born in 1845 or you weren't born in 2042. There's a reason why you were born at the time you were born to live and be the age you're at right now. For whatever reason that is, I don't know. I think we have to ask our creator at some point in time when we, you know, when we get to see the creator. However, because I believe we're here for a certain reason, I think we all have a purpose, something we can do to elevate our own life, to elevate the world. So when we move on, we can leave something in place that someone else can build on to make the world better. And we can only do that, what I believe, and we can truly ask ourselves those three questions each and every day, whether you are feeling confident or not confident, whether you are very clear on your plans and your goals or you are not clear. Because as you evolve as a person, your answers are going to change. But it's going to help you to stay on the path of getting that thing you want for yourself, even though, again, it's going to be difficult because you're surrounded by negativity, you're surrounded by violence, you're surrounded by people who don't want to believe in your dreams but we all have a choice. We all have something that we can choose here. And at the end of the day, we are the ones who are living this life. Our mom might live in the same house, our girlfriend might live in the same, but we are the one that's living this life. And you get a choice with this specific life.
0: I appreciate you breaking it down like that. And one thing that stuck out to me from what you said, I guess, of the multiple things, the one that I wanted to bring up specifically is that third question you tell people to ask themselves and what is your purpose? And I feel like the majority of us don't even get that far, you know, just the first two questions people may not even ask themselves, but then that third question of purpose, it seems like it's elusive almost for a lot of people. And I feel like it really takes you having to do a lot of work in those first two areas that you talked about to even have a chance at getting into third one. But, um, just from people that I've talked to, Try, just trying to help doing like, um, I guess, you know, just casual coaching or something like that. That's something that's been kind of tough for me to, to help people with finding like a purpose for their life, finding something that gives them energy to wake up in the morning and actually, you know, go do something for, to go plan for, to, for it to be like a long-term thing that they do for the rest of their life. And so if you could give like any tips or any advice, for the young men out there that are living without purpose, that feel like they're kind of just a boat out in the water, just floating around. What would you say?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, I, I love the analogy you use. It's That is very true. Many people are like that leaf that's floating down that river. The river goes left, the leaf goes left. The river goes right, the leaf goes right. And they don't have a say in their life. They don't have a say to what goes on. Wherever the river does, that leaf has to do. But we can take take control of our own life. And so, again, I I keep stressing this because you have to understand it's not going to be an easy thing to do. But because you are in control of your life, you have the ability to make the choice. And at the end of the day, you know, um, again, we are always going to be influenced by our surroundings. If you were raised in a household where, you know, money wasn't a problem, then you're going to be influenced by that. If you're raised in a household where the lights were always turned off and the water was turned off and you had a hard time finding rent, that was my upbringing, then that's where you're going to be influenced by that. But when it's all said and done, you get a chance to choose. So one of the things I always speak about is because I grew up in a circumstance where money was an issue in my household, there were times I came home from school and the lights, I flicked on the lights and lights didn't come on. I didn't know that water can be shut off. And so I learned that I flushed the toilet, the water came down and nothing came back up. And so money was an issue when I was growing up, but I promised myself that when I got older and I was making my own money, that things were going to change. This was a promise that I made to myself. I am in my own house now, I have my own children, I'm grown up now, and my financial circumstances is a lot different than it was when we were growing up. My financial understanding is a lot different than my parents was than even now they're understanding now than when i was growing up because i made a choice that i was going to make a change i made a choice that my children i hated coming home sometimes because of of the fact that you didn't know if you can come home and watch your your cartoons after school or not i hated at times coming home but i made that choice so my children will never have to deal with that so now i understand i take i've took the time to understand financial investments. I understand the stock market, I understand real estate investment. I've done in certain investments in my life to ensure that money was not going to be a factor in my household. So my children will never have to deal with that. So I say all that to say that oftentimes when you are going through something, you can use that to be a catalyst to say that's who I'm not going to be. Very similar as I spoke about with a story about my cousin Omar, I could have went the direction of ending up in jail. But I made the decision that that's not who I was going to be. And I was going to use that same level of energy to make change. It's never going to be easy, especially when you're constantly surrounded by negativity. And I, and, and, and again, I work with young people all across um, our, our country in Canada. I have sat down with so many people who are struggling. I specifically work with some of the kids who are in the hoods because I understand what that's like. I've been there. And I hear the stories. I hear the struggles. And I just constantly tell them remember who you are and who you can be. Because there's people who are from the hood who are CEOs today. There's people from the hood who are millionaires today. And it's not through illegal money it's through legal uh, ways of doing it. And so they found a way to do it. You can as well, but it comes down to your specific choices.
0: So I guess the answer that I gather from what you said just based on how you kind of broke it down was that the way for young men to find purpose is to look at their past, look at what they maybe didn't like, look at what they lacked and use that reflection that you just did. And that knowledge to affect your future. And it can, you can choose whether it's going to just be for you, for your family, or for a multitude of people. That's, I guess that's pretty much the answer that I'm getting right.
1: You know, Kamal, I absolutely love the underdog. Every time I'm watching, you know, NFL, NBA, whatever it is, I love the underdog because that's a true story of somebody who, you know, people didn't believe in them. They think that they can do it. They turned around and they were able to get it done. And I think if you are from a difficult circumstance, if you are from a situation where money was was a problem or abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, alcoholism, drug abuse, if you are from these circumstances, if you're from these situations, then you too are an underdog. And that gives you reason to push. That gives you reason. Like if you, if your parents had a million dollars in the bank and you're just chilling, like I have no reason to do anything, my parents have the money. Like, like I don't see where their, their drive comes from. But my drive comes from, I know what it's like to be in the slumps. I know what it's like to be in the difficulty. And I promise you, I'll never go back there. That's where my drive comes from. So if you are from a difficult situation, then your drive can come from there as well. You have an advantage. Because you're like, I am like, I'm hungry, like I'm hungrier than anybody else. And if when you're that hungry, you want to make things work. You will have a choice. You know, they say, Kamani, that most millionaires, new millionaires every year uh, in North America are immigrants, right? They're immigrants, so people who just come into the country. Most of them, uh, most millionaires every year are, are them, or most entrepreneurs are immigrants who've come into the country within the last 1 to 10 years. The reason why is because they look at it as I just left my last country. It was war stricken. It was whatever. I left my family there and I have to make money to bring them over. I don't have a choice. I have to win. There's no choice for me here. I don't get a chance. to. Oh, well, you know what? I give up. My children are back in my old country. I left that war stricken place to come here to America, to come here to Canada. I have to win. There's no choice. And so that's the mentality that they have. That's why they win. That's why the, that's why most new millionaires are immigrants. Most, most new entrepreneurs are immigrants because they decided that they are going to win. If you're yeah. from a difficult situation, then you can have the same mentality as well. That's going to push you to win.
0: So they found their underdog story. That's they
1: found their underdog story. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, the, the thing about that, when you use the term underdog, it made me think of Tom Brady because he kind of took uh, the same type of approach throughout his whole career. You know, even though he's the greatest of all time now, he still sees himself as an underdog. And that's what gave him that drive to be the greatest. And so I like that you brought that up. And just uh, for your benefit, I know we didn't touch on this earlier, but we should have, but I also wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about your book a little bit, especially the one that I saw uh, titled uh, New Me, Uh, 10 men, 10 stories of perseverance. Could you tell the audience about that?
1: Absolutely. And real quick, I'll talk about Tom Brady. You you talk about his mentality. Tom Brady, when he came out of college, he wasn't underdog because his drafting report that talks about who he is and who they perceive him to be when he's in the NFL. They said that he was too skinny. He had a bad arm. He couldn't throw. He was undersized. They had a lot of negative things to say about him when he was first entering into the NFL. Right. And when he first got to the NFL and he got to the team, he said to the owner, I just want you to know when you chose me, you made the best decision of your life. And the owner was like, OK, man, we'll see. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so and so we we all see how that story unfolded. Right. So he right. came in as an underdog. And that's exactly what I'm speaking about. If you come from a circumstance that's difficult, that's tough, you can be that underdog. But again, it's your mentality. It's your choices. And that's what it comes down to. Now, to go on to what you spoke about. Yeah. Our, the book knew uh, me. 10 men, 10 stories of perseverance, myself and nine other guys. So 10 of us in total, we all came together and we wrote a chapter in this book. And we speak about circumstances as men where we fell down in life and then how we were able to get back up. Because I think it's so important. We know what success looks like. You turn the TV on, you see the Tom Brady's, you see the Kevin Hart's, you see the Beyonce's, but oftentimes you don't see the times where they fell down, right? Many people don't know the story of Tom Brady that just shared in terms of him being that underdog you know i don't know about you but i wasn't there when kevin hart first hit the stage and maybe he was booed or beyonce was maybe 12 years old and she hit that sour note like i wasn't there and so it's important for us to recognize that everybody has areas where they fell down but they were able to build from it and in this book we all speak about situations in life where we felt fall down and in my story i speak about omar losing my cousin to gun violence i go into more detail of course but where we fell down and how we struggled, but again, how we were able to get back up because that is the key, the lesson to anyone's life because I can use your situation, Kamani, to apply to my life. And perhaps you can use situations in my life to apply to your life. And when we can do that and learn from each other, that's how we become better. My, my, My solutions in life, the way I was able to get through difficult circumstances, I now have the information, I have the key to somebody else's lock and we can pass that information on once we learn how to get out of our own difficulties so this this book is about all of that just really struggling as men but how we were able to get out of that struggle to become better individuals
0: one thing that i gather from what you're saying is that it sounds like in a way the books help the book helps to set reasonable expectations for success because one thing i'm sure you noticed with the people that you talked to is it due to the fact that they might not see a lot of people, if any at all, around them going on to be successful uh, in in different fields? They might not actually have a realistic perspective of what it takes to be successful. They might see it as like a luck thing or they might see it as if, oh, everything just aligned for this person. But due to the fact that you guys outline your failures and shortcomings in this book, I'm sure anybody that reads it that might not have people around them that could give them that information and in those examples, it probably makes things seem more possible to them because they say, look, this guy is struggling with the same things I'm struggling with, which I thought were limiting. It would lead to me never being able to get out the hood or out of my bad situation. But seeing how this is really just a minor step and not even the biggest issue that he faced in in his life and he was still able to get to this point and be successful, that gives me hope. That's what I would think that that person would, would be thinking to themselves from reading that.
1: Yeah, I really want people to understand that every human being has struggles, and oftentimes you're not going to see it because, you know, you go on social media, you see the nice car that person's driving, you see the trip that they've been on, but they're not going to show you when them and their wives were arguing. They're not going to show you when they lost a child or they lost a loved one or their grandmother died to COVID. They're not going to show you when they're struggling through anxiety and depression. That stuff can't be seen on Instagram. And so we have to understand that there's more to life than just showing that fancy car. And every person that you might follow on social media, they too have struggles. They too have problems that they're facing. They have health issues. There's a ton of things that they're going through. They're regular human beings. And so we like to really put our, our, our importance on how many followers we have and how many likes we get and how many DMs we get when life is so much deeper than that. You have to know that just because someone has a million followers doesn't mean, mean they have a million dollars right there's a lot of other things going on there as well. And so, yes, we, we really need to understand that everybody has struggle and when we can learn about how someone else got through their struggle that's why I love. Uh, biography movies. I love movies about people's stories because you learn about how they were able to get through and build up their, their empire or build up their situation because you see the fall downs, you see the letdowns, and they were able to persevere. And that's all we all really need is to learn how to persevere because many people give up too quickly. And if you try just one more time, maybe that would be your time. If you try that other idea, maybe the idea that you did, maybe it failed, but that gave you the lessons that's going to help you with the second idea or the third idea that will blow up to be that big thing. But again, when we learn about other people's failures and how they fell down, we can now apply those lessons to our own life to get back up as well.
0: Right, and I like that point you brought up about social media, because like you said, people are using someone else's highlight reel as a measuring stick for their own life. And that's going to be unhealthy. And then also I think the saying is that comparison is the killer of all joy. Yes. One one thing I'll say is that, you know, if I went around and looked at some of the numbers that, you know, Joe Rogan or somebody else is doing, I'm pretty sure it made me feel pretty bad about my podcast. But the thing about it is that not everybody has the same circumstances. Not everybody has the same path. And so really, as long as you are better than the person you were the day before, that's progress in my eyes. That's that's how I look at it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you said Joe Rogan. It's funny because I was introduced to Joe Rogan many years ago when he hosted the show called Fear Factor. Right. I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know anything uh, about him before that. But of course, like any human being, he had a life. He had struggles. But I knew him during Fear Factor, and that's a long time ago. A lot of people don't even remember that show. But they look at him now like, oh man, I've had my podcast for two weeks. How come I can't give those numbers? I've had a podcast for a year and a half. How come I can't get those numbers? Not recognizing that he has been through struggles like any other human being. He has been through struggles to get to where he is. He's been building. And so, yes, we cannot compare ourselves to other people. Like, yo, how come I can't sing like Beyonce? Man, I've been singing for three weeks. How come I can't sing like Beyonce? Beyonce's been singing her whole life. So we compare ourselves to someone's ending of the story, so to speak, to our beginning. And that is dangerous because there's so many things that we need to do to build up whatever it is you need to do. Like for me as a public speaker, like, you know, I, 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 man, this has been my busiest year ever. In, in between January, January, February, March, April, uh, between January and, and April, I did over 100 presentations virtually because of COVID, right? I have never been that busy in the first quarter of a year ever. It didn't start that way for me. Many years ago, I would go into a school, try to speak, and I, you know, I, I book it, and then I show up in the school, and I'm like, "Oh, today's your talk? Oh, okay." You know what I'm saying? Like to- totally disregard. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd start speaking. Of the 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 lights would or the um the the PA would go off. Like people are talking. Like like I I had to start at the bottom, so to speak. But as I build, and by no means am I anywhere close to the top. But as I continue to build, I've made a successful speaking business. I've been a successful where I'm highly in demand, but it didn't start like that today. I've been speaking for almost 10 years now, putting in the work. And so whatever it is that you want to do for your life, put in the work. Every time you do something, you build off of it and you, you are able to continue to build and step up every step to get higher and higher to get to that point that you want to get to. And that's what we all have to try to do.
0: I like that you said that that we have the tendency to compare without even taking a look at the person's story, because I'm sure that most people that might look at Joe Rogan's uh, following that he has now wouldn't even consider all the work that he's put in since his 20s. You know, from I guess from doing martial arts whenever he was a teenager and like, I guess, in his 20s to going to fear factor then doing. I don't know what he did. I I feel like he disappeared during that time in between fear (laughs) factor and UFC. But just out of nowhere, you know, when UFC got popular, he was, you know, one of the the voices behind that. And then next thing, you know, he gets his platform. But people don't look at how he's built himself up for for decades to get to that point to where he even was able to build enough of a brand to have a draw to the podcast. And then thinking of the consistency and the type of guests that he had to bring on his show, you know, whether people like his show or the guests on there, what he talks about or not, to even build it up. And so that's another thing I think people miss whenever we get into this mode of trying to make comparisons and all that i think that's a good time to try and find out what you can about that person's story to see the path and process that you went through to get there because you might actually learn something about them and maybe see how you can apply some of that to your own situation
1: yeah you learn about resilience because there's times that that person fell down there's times that person that wanted to quit as well there's times that that person was like this is not for me and they decided for whatever reason to keep going and again if we are able to learn those lessons that we can apply that to our own life as well so yeah i think it's so important to learn about the industry that you want to get into watch documentaries read books of 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 um, biographies whatever it is to really get deep in learning about that area um those people that you want to you want to be very similar to uh, because you'll learn so much. And again, you'll learn about how they're able to keep going during the time that they really wanted to give up.
0: All right. Well, that pretty much wraps everything up. And so just to go ahead and close out, uh, where would the uh, listeners be able to find you if they wanted to check out some of your information?
1: Yeah, you could just Google me, Jeff A.D. Martin. Google me and it will pop up. You know, my, my, my website will pop up, jeffadmartin.com. And of course, I'm on social media as well. Jeff A.D. Martin.
0: All right, then. Well, we pretty much covered everything that we had planned. And so once again, I really appreciate you coming on to the show. I think you offered a lot of value to the audience. I think we touched on some great topics and uh, I appreciated getting the opportunity to be able to talk to you beforehand and even now. And I've definitely learned a lot from the stuff that we discussed.
1: Oh, man, appreciate you very much for what you do, for the content you put out, for, you know, having the real. and and uncomfortable conversations that many people don't want to have and just really sharing your gift and i'm grateful for you doing that i'm grateful for you allowing me to be on here and share with your audience and keep doing what you do man because it's it's very needed and very necessary goodbye
0: thank you i really appreciate that jeff yeah i hope you enjoy the rest of your day
1: likewise as well thanks brother
0: all right then take care
1: take care